Chapter Sixteen of Early Days of Old Oregon by Catherine Barry Judson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen: Who Owned the Oregon Country? When white people go into a country occupied only by Indians or savages, they often claim possession of it. But if many white people go into the same country, which of them has the best right to it? there are five points on which a nation can claim such ownership one discovery two exploration three settlement four treaty five contiguity contiguity here means that the lands of a savage people lie next to or adjoin the lands of a civilized people who owned the oregon country no one really owned it but at first five nations claimed it spain claimed oregon because she had first discovered the coast of the pacific from mexico to alaska yet she did nothing else she failed even to publish reports of her discoveries great britain claimed it on the first three points only a year or two after spain had sent a ship up the coast captain cook in seventeen seventy eight had sailed along that coast watching it carefully and trading in some places he heard reports of the spanish great britain even where she did not first discover did explore all journals and reports of cook's voyages were immediately published in london british fur traders in seventeen eighty five began regular trading at nootka sound and northward great britain explored puget sound in seventeen ninety two the only settlements made on the coast were temporary fur posts like captain mira's but they also were british great britain by land had even better claims in seventeen ninety three alexander mackenzie a canadian fur trader crossed the rocky mountains paddled up the peace river to its source then down the headwaters of the fraser river before he reached the mouth of that river which he thought was the columbia his supplies gave out and his men were almost starving he left the river and went straight overland to the pacific ocean near the mouth of the bellacoola river here the indians told him of white men like himself who came in floating houses to buy their furs the mouth of the fraser river was discovered by the british in eighteen twenty four the british and canadian fur traders planted little trading posts all over the canadian rockies along the headwaters of the columbia and even where the city of spokane now is in all this they were ahead of the americans so by land through discovery exploration and settlement great britain had a good right to the northern section of the oregon country america claimed oregon because the daring captain gray in seventeen ninety two first crossed the bar of the columbia and proved that the bay was the mouth of a river thirteen years later lewis and clark discovered the lower columbia from the other direction from the land side after they had crossed the mountains from the headwaters of the missouri river the first fur trading post on the lower columbia was american this was fort astoria founded in eighteen eleven thus in the southern end of the great oregon country america had claims also by discovery by exploration and by settlement france claimed it on the ground of contiguity that is because oregon lay next to the old-time louisiana russia claimed it because she had discovered alaska and the northern coasts of the pacific but russia had not the slightest right to it 
she admitted this in eighteen twenty four finally many of these claims faded out france sold louisiana to the united states so that the united states claimed oregon by contiguity spain sold the floridas to america in eighteen nineteen and at that time sold all her rights to oregon to america so russia spain and france were out of the race only great britain and america remained but both claimed oregon oregon at that time included all the country which today we call british columbia oregon washington idaho and northwestern montana north and south it was about eight hundred miles east and west it was nearly a thousand miles along the southern border along the northern border it was narrower because the rocky mountains trend toward the sea nobody knew much about oregon in those days the geographies did not describe it because no one could put it in the geographies great britain said oregon belonged to her she thought of cook vancouver miras mackenzie and others all of whom had explored in the upper two-thirds of the country the united states said oregon belonged to her and she thought of captain gray of lewis and clark and of the fur post at astoria all in the south but england didn't know anything about gray's discovery of the columbia he was a private fur trader and his log-book belonged to himself he reported the river to his owners but the united states government only heard of it by informal report or by chance great britain had published the exploration of her men the united states had not published the exploration of hers except that of lewis and clark because they were traders so it is easy to understand the confusion in the story of fort astoria it is told that the americans sold the fort because they feared a british warship would come and capture it one was on the way and did enter the columbia after the fort was sold but the fort was not captured after the war america claimed the return of fort astoria saying it was captured great britain objected and rightly but still little was known about the country it was unsettled and finally to save hard feeling great britain returned the fur post but only the fur post she said she did not return oregon or any part of it because oregon belonged to great britain but that same year because there was this misunderstanding when great britain and america made a commercial treaty eighteen eighteen they put in a paragraph saying that they did not know to which country oregon really belonged but since both countries claimed it until ownership was settled the people of both countries might go there this was called a joint occupancy treaty it meant that the country would be occupied jointly or together by both british and americans who might want to go there for fur trade for farming for fishing or any other purpose a few americans later on did go there they went for the fur trade but the british companies first the northwest company of montreal and then the hudson's bay company had been there for years the hudson's bay company which had united with the old montreal company had forts along the columbia and through what is now british columbia and along the coast they had several ships which sailed up and down the coast trading furs this english company had plenty of money it had hundreds of trained men in its employ and it understood the fur trade business perfectly it also understood how to manage the indians and keep them friendly 
their tact in managing the indians was wonderful the english used tact where the americans used guns and the tact won in the end the americans again and again working as independent trappers and traders were murdered by the indians where the english came and went in reasonable safety the indians did attack the english too at first but the english won by their firmness and justice and their wonderful organization the english pulled together because there was only one company the americans fought each other for this reason and for no other the american fur traders who went into oregon could not succeed against the british one such was nathaniel wyeth he planned to send a ship to the columbia with trading goods and return it to boston filled with salted salmon he himself with his comrades went overland they were all tenderfeet and they knew nothing about fur trading or salmon fishing or indians they had very little capital and that was borrowed so when wyeth's companions deserted him and went back from the great plains or the mountains or deserted him in oregon and went to farming when his first ship sank in the ocean and the indians would not hunt furs for him when everything went wrong why one can only blame wyeth's badly laid plans and not the british the second time he tried was in eighteen thirty four his ship reached the columbia safely and the hudson's bay company did not interfere with him but the indians knew and trusted the british at the fort and at the fort they could sell their furs for just the very things they were used to buying in that way at the fort were their friends and men who could talk their language instead of making motions so the indians did not trade with wyeth the american and even the fish conspired against him the run was poor that year only about half the usual run and the indians who were not too lazy to fish sold their fish to fort vancouver others were busy fishing for themselves wyeth could secure only half a shipload of fish and since he did not know how to cure them properly some of those were spoiled it has always been thought that the british killed the american trade but even private correspondence among the officers shows this was not so they saw he knew nothing of the business and let him hang himself as the saying goes everything was against him but chiefly the fact that he was undertaking a business of which he knew nothing with wyeth on his last journey were jason lee and his nephew daniel lee with other missionaries who went into the willamette valley to teach the indians there but a great sickness a few years before had killed off the indians so that few were living and those did not want to learn anything but lee and his friends wrote to americans in the states of the beautiful country of the willamette the willamette valley was very fertile with charming little prairies here and there separated by short stretches of woodland the river full of fish was at their doors there was game in the forest the climate was mild cattle could live out of doors all winter yet except the missionaries there were no settlers but a few old servants of the hudson's bay company who had wanted to stay in that milder climate after their years of hard work for the company instead of going back to canada the laws of great britain compelled the hudson's bay company to return all servants whose contracts had expired to their homes in canada or england but these men were old and they loved the oregon country they wanted to stay there and farm if they went back as strangers into the severe climate of canada 
it would perhaps kill them so dr mclaughlin allowed them to farm there with their promise that they would obey the usual company rules if they made trouble he would be obliged to send them to canada the first settler in the willamette valley was a french canadian named etienne lucier in eighteen twenty nine the americans thought these french canadians were settling the willamette valley in order to make it british and hold it for great britain but how could they hold a country which the british government did not claim in eighteen twenty two if not before the officers of the hudson's bay company were notified by the british government that they would make no claim to the country south of the columbia and to put their forts on the north side of the river this was done at fort vancouver and also at other points where the land would allow of a little farming if the soil on the south side of the river was better as at fort colville they put the fort there so as to have a garden not so as to claim the country the americans did not know this at all and did not understand the real condition of things other americans began to come in from eighteen thirty or eighteen thirty one some came by ship by way of the sandwich islands some were deserters from whaling ships some were fur traders from the rocky mountains americans called mountain men fur trading was poor and in oregon the climate was mild and they could get a farm for the taking besides fort vancouver was there to sell seeds and ploughs and clothing they were safe from the indians because dr mclaughlin and the other officers of the hudson's bay company held the indians in check the americans were anxious and resentful because great britain claimed oregon they said oregon belonged to america in eighteen forty one when the united states government sent captain wilkes there to explore the captain went down into the willamette valley where the americans were they at once asked his advice about forming an american government he reminded them that they lived under a joint occupancy treaty and that the british had as much right there as they had the question must be settled by the two governments he told them also that so large a number of missionaries ought to be able to keep order in so small a settlement still they wanted american government and used every argument they could think of these missionaries wrote to their friends that although oregon belonged to the united states yet they were under british law now the french canadians were under british law they were british subjects and they were allowed to go into the willamette valley instead of being sent back to canada under the condition that they would be peaceable and obey british laws but nobody ever tried to make the americans obey british laws and there was not much difference in the laws of the two countries anyway more people came in more deserters from whalers more mountain men there came also law-breakers escaping from justice in the states men who were in debt and wanted to get a new start and pay up men who lived in slave states and were afraid of a negro rebellion adventurers from the sandwich islands and also the best kind of people who crossed the plains because they were looking for new homes but these americans jumped each other's claims they quarrelled with the indians they sometimes stole each other's horses people cannot live in a country without laws something had to be done there would have been serious trouble except that the better class of americans and the hudson's bay company working together as well as they could had a very strong and very good influence for law and order yet everyone saw that laws were needed 
in all pioneer countries where wolves are many sheep and calves are killed by them in large numbers the loss of these sheep and calves was very serious to a people so far from civilization and with all the expenses and difficulties of a new country the colonists held meetings to discuss the payment of a reward or bounty to every one who killed a wolf while they talked about their cattle they said also we are taking good care of our sheep and cattle but are we taking as good care of our families when we live in a land without laws these meetings were called wolf meetings but they talked about laws for themselves more than they did about wolves just at this time a settler named ewing young died leaving a farm well stocked and other property he had no relative in the colony yet that property ought to go to his nearest relative but there was no one to take charge of it to see that the cattle were fed and taken care of to look after the farm until his relatives in the east could be notified no one had the right to do this because there was no law and no government shortly after this a meeting was held in the willamette valley in the open air to discuss the necessity of organizing a government for the colonists it was taken for granted that it would be an american government after speeches had been made a settler called out for every one who favored the organization of american government to step across a certain line there were a hundred and two men there including many of the french canadians of these men fifty-two stepped across the line thus voting for the organization of american government fifty most of them being french canadians who were satisfied with the rule of their old company did not this step to form a provisional government did not save oregon to the united states as has been so often said because all the government formed was in the willamette valley and great britain had not for over twenty years laid any claim to that country it was a very wise thing to do however and it made things easier for all the new settlers for the hudson's bay company and for the establishing of a regular government several years later one of the men who lived at that time a man who died only a few years ago was the last man to step over the line you can see if he had not that there would have been fifty-one on each side that would have been a tie or a draw as it is called this man was francois mathieu when he died the newspapers said that mathieu had saved oregon to the united states now you cannot save a man from drowning if he is on dry land and doesn't need saving a man cannot be saved from being run over by an automobile if there isn't one within a thousand miles of him neither could a man save oregon when the section in which he lived and where the government was formed was acknowledged by great britain to be american it is also said of dr whitman the missionary that he saved oregon when he crossed the continent in winter in a wild daring ride to the atlantic coast no one ever took the trouble to go to great britain and find out just the truth of this or if someone did they did not tell of the state papers found there this is the real truth of the whitman saved oregon story dr whitman was a real american earnest enthusiastic and he wanted the beautiful oregon country to be american and he said the americans had best claim to it they did have the better claim to the south great britain had the better claim to the north yet all the country was called oregon the indians had been unruly in eastern washington where the whitman mission was 
and the missionaries had themselves been quarrelling a little the board in the east ordered the mission closed now dr whitman thought if he could only keep his mission he could make christians of those indians besides the mission was a great help to the immigrants dr whitman thought oregon belonged to america and did not know that great britain claimed only part of it so he rode east one winter through terrible storms rode clear across the mountains and plains to st louis to save his mission it was a daring thing to do and then he went on to washington but whitman talked oregon to everyone he met he was intensely interested in having the country american he talked to the secretary of state at washington daniel webster so it is said because he is said to have done this many people think he saved oregon because they say webster was going to trade off oregon for fishing rights around nova scotia on the atlantic coast now in london there are letters from the british minister which show this was not so this is what secretary webster did have in mind the united states needed a good harbor on the pacific coast so that when it was possible to carry on a larger trade with asia ships could come and go easily ships could not enter and pass out readily from the columbia river because in that day they were all sailing ships at the mercy of wind and tide and because of that terrible bar at the mouth of the columbia if great britain took the country north of the columbia and she had a good right to much of it the puget sound harbors would belong to her california at that time belonged to mexico and san francisco was a mexican harbor so where would america find a good harbor secretary webster did tell the english that he might give up all claim to the country north of the columbia if he could make some arrangement with mexico so that it would sell the harbor of san francisco to america he said this in eighteen forty two now he also said it again in eighteen forty three after whitman had been to washington and this shows that whitman had very little influence webster did not try to push the arrangement then because he expected to go to great britain as minister or perhaps on a special embassy but the war with mexico broke out and california became american then in the treaty of eighteen forty six with america great britain put the boundary at the forty-ninth parallel just as it was for a long distance east of the rockies and so america has many good harbors on the western coast san francisco seattle tacoma bellingham and others besides the columbia river harbors especially portland all the country that was ever really in dispute between great britain and america was that section which is the western half of the state of washington that section north and west of the columbia river no other part of the oregon country was ever really disputed it is true that in eighteen forty five the country shouted fifty four forty or fight which meant that americans claimed all the country almost to sitka then russian america but years before america had said over and over again that she would be contented with the line of the forty-ninth parallel and that cry was merely political now to go back to the provisional government in the willamette valley in eighteen forty three dr mclaughlin wrote to the hudson's bay company at london that it was a very wise step and he was glad the americans had taken it because it would keep order there were many rough men in the oregon country and the doctor had trouble with them 
three of them came on the company's land one day with surveyor's chains and told him that the fort was on american soil that they had as good a right there as he they measured off some land put a few logs together as a rough hut and posted a notice saying that it was their claim this was so lawless that the americans themselves took the side of the british company and ordered the men to keep away from the lands and fort of the hudson's bay company yet it made hard feeling among the rougher class forty of these rougher men planned to drive all the white men out of the valley who had indian wives most of these men were french canadians but some were american the french canadians had been there many years their lands were well cultivated and their cabins good it would be an easy way for lawless men to get a good cabin and farm the french canadians who were part indian got their guns ready and so did many of the americans who had indian wives but the better element refused to join these lawbreakers there were not enough of them to force the squaw men out and so the plot fell through others again planned to burn fort vancouver so as to drive the british off american soil but the ownership of the land north of the columbia had not been settled by the governments if the american government had said under that joint occupancy treaty that the british had as much right to settle there as americans why should american citizens object there were two hundred men working at the fort french canadian half-breeds farm-hands and canoemen with indian helpers and eight or ten officers who were scotch or english it would be hard to defend the fort because it would be hard to keep sentinels on duty men could not do farm work all day and be sentinels at night it would be easy to burn the fort with its wooden walls and its wooden buildings and its few men as compared with the number of settlers and dr mclaughlin knew it year after year as the immigrants had come in from that fort had come kindness and help from fort vancouver had come seeds and cattle and ploughs flour and clothing and axes and sometimes even medicines yet some men would burn it because it was british dr mclaughlin thought the wisest thing to do was to send for british help but not to show fear therefore no sentinels were set no change made in the life at the fort although every officer was constantly on the alert the british vice-consul at the sandwich islands was asked to send a ship to protect the fort in eighteen forty five the ship came a small fourth-class ship of war she had a crew of one hundred and fifteen she had also on board seventeen marines and thirteen boys who were under sixteen no one to-day would think that very much of a warship there were thousands of men and boys in the willamette valley but the presence of the ship reminded the rougher class of americans that great britain did have some right until the boundary was settled to trading posts north of the river the presence of the ship added some fun to life in the valley dances were given on shipboard and the americans invited sometimes the americans gave dances in the biggest barn they could find and invited the ship's officers the thirteen boys wandered about on shore when on shore leave and made friends with the american boys of their own age it was the habit in old times for british gentlemen to send their boys abroad on a warship partly to see the world partly for the training and often because many of them were to be naval officers in the future it was a very practical school and there was an actual school on shipboard the boys were all of good families 
so for a year and a half even after the boundary was finally settled the modeste stayed in the river anchored near fort vancouver when the king or queen had a birthday the ship's cannon boomed out its salute the crash of the guns echoed among the dense forests and across the blue river it was a british salute to a british government when the fourth of july came american boys and men planted powder in the stumps of the great trees left on land that they were clearing and fired them off together the crash echoed as the guns had done across the blue river and through the forests it was an american salute in memory of the american declaration of independence while the modeste was in the river an american ship of war came into the columbia and anchored not far from the modeste in the river it was the shark captain howey she remained there all winter she had been sent by the american government to see that all was well when the shark tried to leave the river she was caught in the currents and struck on the bar immense waves crashed over her and the officers and men escaped as best they could from the wild foaming breakers they saved their ship's papers and an american flag besides the ship's signalling flags there was no way of getting out of the columbia river or even to the sandwich islands until some ship of the hudson's bay company should be sailing in that direction so the officers remained at astoria for months while they were there word came that the oregon boundary had been settled at once captain howey of the shark sent the ship's flag to oregon city so the first american flag to float over oregon was one from a ship wrecked on the very bar which captain gray had so daringly crossed fifty-four years before the settlement of the boundary was a great blow to the british traders there was no way to get into the interior except by the river so far as they knew and they had tried to find a trail over the mountains they did find one later why did great britain agree to the boundary of the forty-ninth parallel when she had really a good right to a more southern one these are the reasons great britain and america had had two wars the first the americans won that was the revolution in the second the war of eighteen twelve nothing was really settled but after four years the two countries agreed to stop fighting the americans were bitter against the mother country but great britain said in a roundabout way america and great britain are really one people we have had two wars with america and we want her friendship this bit of country covered with forests is not worth fighting about let america have the boundary line she wants if you stop to think of it great britain and america have the same language almost the same laws the same literature and one cannot understand american history without studying english history this is because america was an english colony for a hundred and fifty years and because so many americans that is their ancestors came from england why did great britain say this bit of country is not worth fighting for there is an interesting story which some people believe about a captain gordon of the british ship america who was sent by the british government to report on oregon the story says that captain came into the straits of san juan de fuca early in june eighteen forty five he was very fond of shooting and fishing but the salmon would not rise to his fly and the deer ran into thickets where he could not get at them therefore he was disgusted so the story goes and said to an officer of the hudson's bay company i would not give the bleakest moor in scotland for all this country i see about me 
therefore it is said he reported to the british government that the oregon country was not worth fighting for now in truth captain gordon came into the straits in september eighteen forty five and there is every reason to believe he sent a confidential report to great britain saying that the country was not worth fighting for but not because the fishing and hunting were poor he had that opinion long before he came into the oregon country and many americans thought the same thing many people you will remember hearing of the fertile valley of the columbia it really was the willamette with its beautiful mild climate and its friendly farming lands went across the plains to the oregon country imagine their surprise when they found the valley of the columbia covered with dense forests of enormous trees the friendly farming lands in the willamette in the twilatin the clackamas and other adjoining valleys all taken up except sections at a great distance or of poor soil and the beautiful mild climate why it rained all winter a light soft rain with low gray skies and endless mists and dampness which penetrated the tiny log cabins and everything in them these people loved the sunshine they had expected to find fertile prairies where they could easily farm in a warm bright pleasant country so they went on disappointed they went to the sandwich islands and down to california sometimes they passed directly through without stopping in oregon at all sometimes they stayed there a winter and said the climate was awful now the sandwich islands in those days were a regular centre of gossip all the ships passing from boston and new york to china stopped at the sandwich islands for masts for wood and water for fresh vegetables for sandalwood and fruits sometimes they were there for two or three weeks these ships seldom came to oregon or california california belonged to mexico and the laws were so troublesome they did not trade there other whaling ships from the north went to the islands for supplies the british men of war had their headquarters there a british consul lived there and received regular dispatches from england the american consul there received dispatches from america hudson's bay company ships from oregon took lumber there all ships centred there and all classes of men met there sometimes there were five or six hundred ships stopping at the islands within a few months therefore all the news going was to be heard in the sandwich islands we call them the hawaiian islands now now in these sunny islands the british officers of the warships discussing oregon every one discussed oregon in those days all along the coast heard of the dampness and dreariness of it in the sunny islands with their blue skies and green palms they heard of the dense dark forests of oregon the terrible bar of the columbia the mists and the endless grayness of that north country in the sunny lands of southern california british vice-consuls at monterey heard the same thing and they heard it from americans who said oregon was overrated all these immigrants who left oregon and went to california had to go by way of the sandwich islands so everywhere one heard of the gloom of that gray north country with the terrible forests there were few farming lands they said and those were taken up and this was true it is only as the forests have been cut down that there are farming lands in the logged off country of washington and of oregon and even the richness of the sandy-looking soil east of the cascade mountains was not known then few people after travelling over the plains wanted to settle in a desert 
and these reports about oregon being overrated are really the reason that great britain did not think it worth while to go to war even when americans cried fifty four forty or fight captain gordon long before he ever saw oregon had decided it was not worth a war and great britain wanted to be friends with america now these statements are not yet in any other history but they are not guesswork the author has seen the very letters from british vice-consuls in southern california and the sandwich islands repeating what americans and british both said of oregon that it was overrated and not worth a war and the small section actually in dispute really was not worth a war not under any circumstances the treaty was signed in june eighteen forty six one can be glad that it was settled pleasantly the friendship between america and great britain to-day is very close as it should be and we may all be glad that great britain gave up half a state to which she had as good a right as we rather than arouse the hatred that always follows a war End of chapter sixteen